0: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome sports fans, this is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, that's right, we are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N-855, the number 4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. Merry Christmas, everybody out there. If you're listening to me, it's either Christmas Eve, maybe it's Christmas, maybe you didn't get around to it, and it's the day after Christmas. But any case, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And it is not really a very Merry Christmas for people in the NFL and NFL fans because we are getting ravaged with COVID. So, Last week I did my show. I did, you know, I record my show so it's out on a Thursday, so we could have a conversation about all the Thursday games. And I do my show in order to make sure that everybody has everything for the weekend. Well, huh, funny thing happened on the way to the weekend, right? Because on the way to the weekend, all kinds of COVID issues, all kinds of problems. The NFL moved games. It was a complete disaster last week from a betting perspective. Look, we had, you know, including this weekend, we're gonna have eight games in 10 days. So it was kind of cool to have a doubleheader on Tuesday. It was kind of cool to have a doubleheader on, on, you know, the Sunday night games were a little uh, weak, but it was kind of cool to have a doubleheader on Monday as well. And then, even though they were back-to-back and got kind of playing at the same time, even that, it was kind of cool to have something on Tuesday. But from a betting perspective, it got really dicey. From a fantasy perspective, it got pretty dicey there. You know, one of the things I, I do have to, make it a very big point to explain to people is is read your tickets. And when I say read your tickets, I'm not, you know, just telling you, well, you know what, you're not paying attention. No, know the House rules because we are going to have to deal with COVID again. Uh, Whether you believe that we should or not, that's not the debate we're ready to have today. What we're having a conversation about today is what we're going to have to do because the inevitable is going to happen. More than likely, we're going to have to deal with COVID issues again. More than likely, an NFL game might be postponed or pushed back. More than likely, star players are going to miss time. So we're already in a position that we have to, as sports bettors, kind of readjust our minds, right? We have to, as sports bettors, say, all right, look, we got to play the cards that are dealt to us. Right? We got to play what we're going to do, we're, how we're going to move the, with this, and, and how we're going to attack it. Now, a big debate that is constantly in the sports betting community is CLV, closing line value, right? And there are professionals out there, guys that in this business I respect, guys that in this business I, I don't respect. And some of them use my method, some of them don't. Some of them do nothing but use closing line value. I don't think that you should be married to anything, okay? I think that you should use all sorts of different things. But there are people that really, truly just use closing line value, and that's that. It's people that only handicap games based on that. Look, I don't do that. I I look at end results as well as value in the line, of course. So I say that to say this. We have to adjust our mindset. If you're somebody that loves to jump on those early games early in the week and try to get that great value and, and try... Listen, this is a bad time for you right now because you could jump on a game or on a team and love the value, and then half the team goes down because of COVID. Um, you can do that and kind of get hurt because of it. So I don't care where you are on the closing line value debate. It's something that I think we all need to pull back right now, and we all need to say to ourselves, okay, look, we, we understand that there is a debate going on. We're going to put that on the back burner and just say during COVID, during this kind of situation, during what we're living in right now, it's better to wait until all the facts come out. I mean, really, you should be waiting until game time now. You should be waiting until at least Sunday morning. So I'll give you guys insight today like I always do with the NFL. I'm going to give you a bunch of games, go over stats, go over trends, give you my feel, give you my leans, give you my matchups, all of that. But understand that all of this can change in a heartbeat. We live in a COVID world, guys. And in a COVID world, we watched it run ravage on the NFL last week, three games and multiple times. And already this week, we're seeing major players going down, major situations. I can tell you right now, look, right now as I speak, and this is uh, you know, basically Thursday morning, where I'm speaking right now, Jared Goff is on COVID list. Travis Kelsey is on the COVID list. Tyreek Hill is on the COVID list, right? And I could keep going on. So you have big time players and big time situations that will absolutely have an impact on the line if they miss the game. But a lot of these guys are vaccinated. They can absolutely go get two tests and be ready for the game. So watch massive line movements here. Watch people really get uh, kind of involved in this thing. As far as the other leagues, real quick, um, we do know that the NHL took a pause a couple of days before time the NHL decided, you know what, we're going to take a quick pause, we're going to take a step back. Um, They are supposed to be resuming right after Christmas. We'll see with that. And you've got to remember, in the NHL, what's happening with the NHL is that they are dealing with another country, right? So they're not just dealing with, all right, well, this is how we're going to do it state by state. No, 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 they're dealing with Canada who the last time we had COVID issues, Canada was massively strict, and they really, really, really dug their heels in. So we have to say, okay, we're going to take the NHL for their word that they'll be right back afterwards, but maybe not. Um, You have college basketball games being postponed nearly every night. And college basketball is a different animal because you're dealing with kids. You're dealing with kids in school. Um, You know, I'm still part of the Harvard email thread. And at at Harvard, we get out the information and the emails come out. Okay, we're going fully virtual. They've decided to go fully virtual for the entire, entire spring semester already. So winter and spring. So they've already decided that. Will that have an impact on some games? You know, maybe, maybe not. I know Syracuse was supposed to play Cornell this week and that was impacted. So the... Idea of college basketball certainly is there. We lost a bowl game. Texas A and M couldn't field the team. Couldn't field the team because too many guys are on COVID. So Texas A and M, Florida, which was going to be a pretty good bowl game, you know what? That got canceled. So college football, and again, it's kids. It's kids in college. So the universities themselves have to have a little bit of an onus to kind of watch out for the kids. So I expect that. And then you have the NBA, where I love what the NBA said. I don't know how much I believe them. The NBA basically said, "Look, we're not canceling anything." And Adam Silver, congratulations to you because Adam Silver came out and he basically just laid it out there for everybody. And and he said, look, um, the virus will not be eradicated and we have to learn to live with it. And that's that, right? I mean, that is just the reality of, of the world right now. I wish some... (laughs) some presidents and and I wish uh, the leaders in this country would just understand that it's not going to be eradicated. We have to learn to kind of live with it. We can't shut down anymore. We can't cancel. We got it. We have to deal with this. So that is to kind of tell you from a sports betting perspective, understand where, where they stay understand where the leagues are kind of telling you, okay, this is what we're going to do. Understand that this is all very, very fluid and it's going to be fluid for some time. Right? I mean, I, It's going to be fluid, and it's going to continue to wreak havoc on sports bettors unless you're able to prepare for it, and to be able to prepare for it, you have to be able to move and flow with things. And, again, that's something good in any sports betting conversation. That's something really good in any sports conversation uh, about sports betting. We say that all the time. Um, I do my best bets on, on my best bets is my my most popular segment because I'm giving out winners, right? But the segment I get the most information about, the most feedback from, the most emails and, and Twitter interaction and Facebook interaction over at Sports Garden G A R T E N, um Sunday mornings when I do my Want to Bet show on uh, Sports Map Radio, you know I do a, a making you a better better, right? I'm making you a better better, and one of the things that I constantly harp on is just what like what I said, don't marry something. Right? Don't get so committed into one thing or the other. Have the ability to flow. Have the ability to change your mind. It doesn't matter if you're right, if you're not cashing tickets. you know The biggest argument in sports betting drives me nuts when people say, oh, man, I lost, but I was on the right side. You know, listen, it drives me crazy, too. I hate when I watch a game and I go, man, I knew that was going to be an under, and then they had a crazy fourth quarter. Or, you know, It went into overtime, overtime losses, and you have an under that stinks. I mean, I understand it, but... Don't be that guy. Don't be the guy that wants to be smart and not make money. Be the guy that I don't care how smart you think I am. I'm just going to cash and cash and cash money. So that is something that we have to think about when we're dealing with COVID. All right. With that being said, let's get into the actual games. This one is going to be played Thursday night. And it's the Titans in San Francisco. I don't know if I could find two teams that are more just completely, completely similar where they stand right now as to opposed to uh, where they stand uh, stood you know in the beginning of the season they flipped right. San Francisco was similar to Tennessee. Things were problems. They had injury issues. They had all kinds of of, of kind of questions and what was going to happen and how could they perform. They had questions about their quarterback. Maybe it should be Trey Lance and. You know, It was Jimmy Garoppolo kind of going out there and showing everybody that, yeah, they should go with, with Trey Lance. Now, all of a sudden, they've turned it around, and they have been as hot as anyone. Well, early in the season, the Tennessee Titans were as hot as anybody, and they, ha- they were absolutely dominant. They were going in there. People were talking about Derrick Henry as an MVP. They are talking about the Tennessee Titans being the number one overall seed. There was Super Bowl talk. Yes, there was lots of Super Bowl talk. And now, what is going on? Well, people are doubting Tennessee. They're questioning if they should even be a playoff team. They're thinking, okay, they're an easy first-round exit. They are questioning Ryan Tannehill. The quarterback is being questioned. And a lot of it has to do with injuries and problems. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, they all just flat-out didn't play together this year. I mean, that's just the way to, to look at it. But because we are in this situation, we have to look at the situation that we're at. The Titans... They've lost three of the last four games and looked pretty bad in doing so. Now they are going to get AJ Brown this back this week. It looks like they're saying he is likely to play tonight. Okay, well if he's likely to play, that's great. Tennessee, though, they've allowed less than 200 yards uh, of offense in the last two, uh, last three games. I'm sorry. So. Tennessee's defense is stepping up. The thing that I thought that they would have a problem with, it's Tennessee's defense that is stepping up. They're looking pretty good. They can play some decent defense. But Ryan Tannehill is still the problem. And giving him A.J. Brown back will help. But he has had Julio Jones in spurts. Tannehill has more interceptions and touchdowns since Derrick Henry's gone down. As a matter of fact, the Tennessee Titans have not scored more than two touchdowns since week nine. So it's not only a Derrick Henry thing right you so you look at this and you go okay well AJ Brown could come back and he could alleviate some of that and then you lean on the defense last week the Steelers they only had 168 yards of offense right that is the lowest yardage total by a winning team in the NFL this year and that was against Tennessee a Tennessee defense that you can argue should not have lost that game right i mean that you should not have lost that game Tennessee gets against a Niners team that is red hot Arden Key, in his last seven games, got six sacks. They're coming after We know what—look, well, you, you guys absolutely know what the front of that— um, just front seven can just devastate teams. Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, since week eight, is first among quarterbacks in pro football Focus's grade at 86 and a half. That's enormous. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing on another level. And George Kittle is just simply unguardable. You get Debo Samuel being uh, his best version of Cordell Patterson. Brandon Ayuk looks good. Now, they don't have a a specific running back, but they don't need him. Wilson has looked good. Eli Mitchell might come back. That's pretty impressive when you really turn around and break this down. So, I think they're on different ends of the spectrum. I think that A.J. Brown coming back certainly can help. But here's the thing. You are laying points... In a midweek game, the Thursday game, you're laying more than a field goal with a Niners team. As hot as they've been, Tennessee's defense has been just as hot. If I'm leaning anything here, I'll lean the under if I'm doing anything. All right, let's talk about and we'll go right into the Saturday games because, again, we have some Saturday games. Cleveland and the Packers. Packers are 6-0 and straight up, 6-0 and against the spread at Lambeau Field, and I've told you one of the best bets I can make every single year is Aaron Rodgers does not lose at home in December. He just doesn't, guys. It's just reality. He doesn't lose. The Browns are coming off of a short week. We know what's going on—Covid problems—and you can use this in two ways. Look, they're going to be exhausted. They're going to be beat up. They're going to be rough, uh, Chubb and Garrett, and oh man! But then you could say, well, a lot of these players are probably going to be healthy if they are cleared for this. The Packers, look, they—they've given up 28 or more in the last four games, so their defense has all of a sudden fallen off. And Cleveland, well, you know what? It's strength against weakness, weakness against strength. Uh, Cleveland has scored 24 points just once in the last month or so against the Ravens, who have a depleted team as well. So, again, here you go. Packers, I think they win this game. They're at Lambeau. I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers. No way, no how. But am I willing to go out there and lay more than a touchdown with a defense that has given up 28 or more points in four straight games? You also have a running game where you look at Nick Chubb He's, he's a guy that is a workhorse. I think they run Chubb. I think they run Johnson. I, I think that this can be one of those games where Cleveland just hangs around and hangs around. And Cleveland's defense has been playing really, really well. Do I think they could stop Aaron Rodgers? No. But you don't have to stop him. You kind of just have to slow him down. So Cleveland getting at, after it. And then you talk about that front push. And that front push is going up against. Banged up, beaten down, and really susceptible to sacks starting with Front four, uh, front seven there. You look at the Packers. They can't defend that. So Aaron Rodgers will be under a little pressure. Again, I'm not betting against Aaron Rodgers, but this line seems a little inflated to me. All right, let's talk about Colts and Cardinals. Oh, well, yeah. look, the Cardinals, they are coming off of a just an embarrassing loss. There's no other way that you could present this. It's embarrassing against the Lions. The Cardinals, we had Ed Smith on, and we discussed with Ed... We discussed. Okay, if that Monday night game was so important, so important to the Cardinals against the Rams, and this is you know before they they lost to Detroit, if that was so important and they lost that game, what would it do to their psyche? Well, at that point, they would have uh, you know been on on a bad situation. They would have lost two or three. That that would have been a rough time. It was on national TV. It would have set them back. But it was all about how they were going to bounce back. Right? It was all about how they were going to bounce back against the Lions and say, all right, look, you know what? You know, the Rams are a good team. We're going to come back. We're going to uh, you know, flex our muscles, and here we go. Well, that didn't happen. Okay, that didn't happen. What happened here was that Arizona came out flat again, and the questions were, you know, did they lose focus? Did that loss really destroy them? Did it really, you know, kind of hurt them? Now they got to take on an Indianapolis team, an Indianapolis team where Jonathan Taylor is getting legitimate MVP considerations. Jonathan Taylor is averaging 21 carries a game. He is a workhorse in the true method of a workhorse. Now, the Cardinals, they just allowed Craig Reynolds. Yeah, Craig Reynolds! Who? Yeah, exactly to run for 112 yards. Craig Reynolds behind that Detroit Lions offensive line ran for 112. The Colts are 4-2 on the road. They play well there. So they're going to face a big-time running attack, a big-time run. Just run it all day. And you're looking at you know, the Cardinals. They've lost four of the last seven. Uh, the Colts, they've won five of the last six. They've covered the spread in the last four, and this is about a pick em game. The Cardinals are one and two in, you know, games since their bye week, and we, we've we seen that happen. We've watched Cliff Kingsbury kind of his teams fade after bye weeks. They are also allowing 115 yards per game on the ground. Uh, if you're looking for a prop bay, uh, play, Jonathan Taylor to get over 100 yards is, is like money in the bank. The Colts need that. They're 8-0 when Jonathan Taylor rushes for 100 yards. 0 oh, 6 when he doesn't. Okay. And you also talk about on the Cardinal side of this, no DeAndre Hopkins. So on DeAndre Hopkins' loss is a is a major problem, of course, but I question Cliff Kingsbury and the head coach's decisions in just where he's going to find uh, the replacement for DeAndre Hopkins. Because Christian Kirk had 53 dropback snaps, right? Zach Ertz had 50. are right, you're fine with that. Antoine Wesley had 46, A.J. Green had 38, Rondell Moore had 16. Why is Wesley getting more snaps than Green and Moore? So this is kind of the game within the game. With all this said, the Colts do have a little bit of an Achilles heel, and that is Carson Wentz. You can tell me that they're going to run the ball all day, but this isn't Belichick, so they're going to have to throw it, and the Cardinals' defense can get after it. The Cardinals are back at home, and I do believe that the Colts have a very good defense, but I do believe they can get hurt against Kyler Murray and that running attack. Now, I don't particularly believe in James Conner, but I like the combination of Conner and Edmonds. I mean, that one-two punch. So... There is a lot to like about the Cardinals. I'm very surprised that they opened up as home favorites. Even though it was a, a you know a two-point spread, it was saying that Car- the Colts should be. But the Colts are a team that people are now starting to get into. The Colts now, all of a sudden, the MVP talk for Jonathan Taylor is out there. And usually when you see something like this, it's kind of the go the other way. This is the handicapper's handbook right now. If you're somebody that looks at X's and O's, you're somebody that breaks this game down from a mental standpoint of saying, well, look, it's just reality-wise, it's just a better situation, the Colts are a better team, they're playing better, Uh, there are matchup nightmares here, then you go all in on the Colts. But there is the other side to this. A dominant team in the Cardinals, a one of the better teams in the NFL, a team in the Cardinals, coming home, playing back in a comfortable situation against a maybe overrated Colts team. You might be getting some value at them, at come down, pick them. And about 70-something percent of the bets are all coming in, on the Colts anyway. So it's something to pay attention to. Those are the Saturday night games. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick time out. When we get back, we'll go over all the Sunday games. And we're also going to look at that MVP race because I keep mentioning it, but it is starting to get a little bit heated. All that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get the gambling before the end of it. The- no way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're right. What are the odds? Let's take a look at what are the odds. Well, guys, I told you Jonathan Taylor is moving up the MVP odds list, and he is a legitimate contender at this point. But Tom Brady still leads the way. He is at plus 150. Aaron Rodgers is right behind him, though plus 165 in most places and falling. He was 175 to start the week. Patrick Mahomes plus 850. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is sitting there in third place. Jonathan Taylor 12 to one odds, and I'm telling you guys, he's moving up the list pretty quickly here. I've even seen some sports books as low as 10 to one odds. And Matthew Stafford gets into this thing at plus 1500 at Caesars sportsbook that's 15 to 1 odds and that is what are the odds i gotta tell you look you know the thing is with jonathan taylor making a bet on jonathan taylor you have to kind of go against everything that you know and that the voters have told us And, and that's a problem i'm not saying that jonathan taylor doesn't deserve it at all and it's hard to compare jonathan taylor to derrick henry and the impact he has and all that it's difficult it's very difficult um You start to look at Jonathan Taylor and you compare him to what Derrick Henry has done and what it's been at that point. Um, You know, you, you look at it and you go... Well, yeah, but did he have the same kind of competition? I mean, Brady is a flawed MVP leader at this point because he's coming off of this bad game. Aaron Rodgers is a flawed MVP leader um, because, you know, look, he, he missed a game with COVID, and we've seen that. He also has tremendous talent around him, as do most of these guys. Jonathan Taylor has, you know, the advantage of going up against flawed guys. You know, in the MVP races that Derrick Henry lost, those guys were kind of... uh, The guys that won were were kind of above and beyond. Here's the thing, though. In all Derrick Henry's years, he he never really got a serious consideration, which is the same thing with Cooper Cup. Look, for those that are arguing Derrick Henry for MVP, you have to stop, and you have to also argue that Cooper Cup should get some recognition. Cooper Cup was not on the five names that I just listed. Cooper Cup is not going to win the MVP. Why do I know this? Because Michael Thomas went out there, had... uh, historic record-breaking insane insane type of season and he didn't really get a sniff He, he barely got any votes didn't get any first place votes so cooper cup right now 164 targets 122 receptions 1625 yards he's got 14 touchdowns and you start to look at cooper cup and you go wow you know, those are numbers that are should be MVP-like numbers. I would actually give him the MVP over Matthew Stafford. Hey, you just grade this out. You're talking about he's going to have, uh, I mean, 160, 170 receptions. He's going to have over 2,000 yards receiving, easy. And he could lead the league in touchdowns. I don't know if he gets 20, right? I mean, he's 14. He's got, you know, 15. He's got three games left. He's not going to get two in each game, but he'll get to 18, 19— it, that's MVP numbers. So anybody that's talking about the Jonathan Taylor thing, right, and the t- Jonathan Taylor touting him, well, you've got to be talking about Cooper Cup. In both instances, I still think that they want, 100% want, a quarterback to win this thing. So that's something to pay attention to. All right, let's go on to Sunday's games. Bengals and Ravens. Look, the Bengals beat the Ravens 41-17. It was an absolute beatdown. You look at just destroying this team, and not only that, but also destroying the, this division, they've already swept Baltimore. This would be uh, sweeping Pittsburgh. Well, they've already swept Pittsburgh. This would be sweeping Baltimore. This would put Cincinnati really in the driver's seat. They are a small favorite to open it up. The Ravens, look, they've won the last two in the stadium. They have uh, really beaten them down. They've destroyed this team. Now, Lamar Jackson is the question. Is he going to be here? Is he going to be healthy? Don't go out there, and I know as much as everybody loves Tyler Huntley, don't go out there and start going, Tyler Huntley is, is you know, going to be the guy over Lamar Jackson. Look, Huntley has played well. He's played very effective. He's not Lamar Jackson, though. So I think that that does have something there. The, the secondary for the Ravens is is a major concern. Major concern. I can see Burrow going absolutely crazy here. Um, you look at the secondary that already lost Marcus Peters. Then they, they were down another three guys last week. Joe Burrow can throw the ball and match up nightmare problems with these very talented wide receivers. By the way, Joe Burrow has thrown one touchdown pass on first down the entire second half of last game. So they had 10 design runs. The one pass went for 56 yards. I think that they're going to look, I think Zach Taylor, who I've been critical of, is going to look at this game film and he's going to look at the game film and he's going to say, yeah, we got to throw the ball more, and especially against this Ravens team. You look at the decisions that Harbaugh has made, and he has helped Cincinnati out. But but Baltimore was in an opportunity and in a position to win that game. It was bad coaching by Jim Harbaugh, who, uh, you know, the Harbaugh brothers, I'm sorry, John Harbaugh, oh, the Harbaugh brothers, I've defended all the time. It was bad coaching there. It was just bad coaching. I think Brown has a big game, but I wouldn't put it past Lamar Jackson coming in and having a big game as well. I like the Bengals' defense. They are top five in rushing um, against them. They, they, They really shut down the run. That's why you need Lamar back here. Huntley can run the ball, and he does special things. Cincinnati stays home, and they really are good against the run. All right, Bills, Patriots installment number two. This time, we're not going to have 100-mile-per-hour wins. This time, we're not going to have, uh, you know, Mac Jones throwing the ball three times. I think that, that that's the over-under. I'm setting my own prop play this week. All right, here we go. The Tom Barton prop play uh, over three passing attempts <laughs> for <laughs> Mac Jones. I'm taking the over, right? Mac Jones has been great at home. He's got 102.5 rating at home this season. Uh But he hasn't looked good in the last two weeks. First of all, you go back to the Bills game, and he was only allowed to try to throw it three times. And we laugh about the weather. Josh Allen threw it all over the field. Then you look at the Colts, and he looked downright awful. He looked like a rookie on the road in a a tough game in prime time. Well, here you go. Now he gets a team that have taken a look at him already. And as bad as the Bills played in that game, and I've defended defended this to the hilt, okay? As bad as the Bills played in that game, guys, they still had a chance to win at the end of the game. They still had that opportunity to win the game at the end of the game. That is something that you really have to look at. As bad as they were run all over, and it was embarrassing, announcers asked them, uh, I mean, reporters asked them, are you embarrassed? It was embarrassing. Well, they only gave up 14 points. That's something to pay attention to. Now, the Patriots, they have given up the fewest points in the league in the NFL this year. The Bills, look, they're, they're right there. They've surrendered the second fewest, all right? And they also have the fewest yards in the league as well. This is a defensive battle. The Bills have, though, shown their vulnerability. The Bills have allowed 100 yards rushing in four of the last five games. They get beat on the ground. So this does fall into the idea that Mac Jones doesn't have to do too much. But he's looked really bad, and the Bills capitalize. The Bills lead the NFL in turnover ratio, and they turn the ball over a lot. I think that everyone's going to be on the Patriots here because we watched how much they abused Buffalo in the first game. But I think that this is a position where I don't feel comfortable laying the points, even at home with Mac Jones right now, the way he's playing. There is a rookie wall. We've seen players hit it for years now, and it wouldn't shock me if Mac Jones hits that rookie wall here. It wouldn't shock me if this is the moment that we really see that w- rookie wall really come out because the Buffalo Bills play tremendous defense. If Josh Allen wants to be considered in the elite conversation, and one of my friends, Jose Thro, this out there on his uh, Twitter account this week. And he said, you know, is Josh Allen still elite? You guys still believe it? And I said, yeah. I said, look, I think he's one of the top five NFL quarterbacks. If that's elite, then yes, he's elite. And you break it down and you could argue he's five. Some people will argue he's six. But you can't really argue outside the top six. I, I mean, you you really can't sit back and argue that point. So you got Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, I think that's one, two, three, right? I put Russell Wilson in there at four. So then you start to go down the list. You know, is Lamar Jackson better than Josh Allen? All right, I think that's a debatable point. You go down the list, you say, is Justin Herbert better than Josh Allen? Okay, another debatable point uh, that that could be the guy. I don't think it's Stafford. I don't think Murray has earned that yet. So again, I gave you four that that I think we would all pretty much agree with. The fifth guy, and maybe Dak Prescott. The fifth guy is Dak, Lamar, Stafford, Murray, Allen, you Herbert. You have about five guys vying for that number five number five spot. If Josh Allen wants to be considered that, you got to go out there and win this game. And I think that Josh Allen is the type of guy that can put a team on his back like that. By the way. The Buffalo Bills have been running the ball a little bit. Singletary's look good here, so it's something to pay attention to. All right, guys, Chargers-Texans. Chargers are double-digit favorites on the road against a Houston team that has been playing a little bit well here. I'm not going to say Davis Mills is all of a sudden in that top five, right? But Davis Mills has played well. Um, he has kind of inspired this team, and he's thrown the ball all over the field. And look, they play free and loose. Their defense has actually gotten a lot of turnovers, and it's against weak competition. But this is a Chargers team that still has to go on the road. It's also a Chargers team that you simply can just run on them all day long. They are still the worst defense in the NFL against the rush. Now, the Texans, they are right behind them because they narrowed the gap because they're so bad. The Texans allow 145 rushing, uh, rushing yards per game. Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, guys, DFS leagues, uh, you know, prop play guys, watch out for that because I do think that the Chargers are going to come in here. They'll throw it a little bit, but second half of the game, I expect a lot of running and I expect a lot of running from both teams. Now, Brandon Staley did say that Joey Bosa was on COVID. He's going to probably be out. Corey Lindsey and Austin Eckler... Are also in COVID protocol. Like I said, there's going to be a bunch of games that I talk about today that I can't really tell you definitively who's going to be on the field. Without Eckler, uh, this gets a little bit dicey. I think they could still win this game without Joey Bosa. I think they could cover without Bosa. I think they could win the game and cover without Lindsey. I don't think they could, I think they could win the game. I don't think they could cover without Austin Eckler. All right, Detroit-Atlanta. Atlanta's about a four-point favorite here. Yeah, the Lions, look, they haven't won a road game this season, but they are coming off a very impressive win against Arizona where it wasn't just a win. They owned that team. The Lions are 4-3 against the spread coming off uh, of that win, and you feel like they're flying high. But can, can the Lions have consistency? Can the Lions put back, back-to-back games together and look good? Look, there is no TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Swift is still banged up, but the Lions... They just placed Jared Goff on COVID. They don't have a prayer unless Goff plays. And I'm not saying that Goff is a great quarterback, but they don't have a prayer unless Goff plays. Speaking on the other side, the other quarterback, Matt Ryan, look, he's thrown just one interception the last month. Four games, one interception. He's playing well. Atlanta is at home. Atlanta should beat this Detroit team. And if you are with the theory that the Detroit Lions cannot keep this emotion up after beating that Arizona team, well, you're all over Atlanta. But Detroit A healthy Detroit, meaning Jared Goff is playing, He's still a very, very dangerous team. We've watched what they did against many teams this year, playing real close, even in the games they didn't win. They are the best of the worst teams in the NFL. Rams, Vikings, this is about a three-point spread. Rams looked impressive against Seattle on Tuesday. That still feels weird to say on Tuesday, but it is. Vikings, look, they're better than their record, right? I mean, the one thing we could say about the Vikings, they played 14 games this year. 13 of the 14 have been decided by a touchdown or less. By by, by I mean, it's a one-score game. I, we're going to get it again. Minnesota's at home. Dalvin Cook is the unstoppable force. I mean, the guy is just absolutely fantastic. Jefferson, you could say the same thing about. Kirk Cousins actually has the second-best quarterback rating in the league to Aaron Rodgers, who's getting all kinds of MVP love. Kirk Cousins, he looks really good, and he's been doing it without Adam Thielen. Thielen comes back now. He's going to be good. The defense of Minnesota impressed me on Monday night. I thought that the defense has been lacking. The defense has been lagging. Well, they they were allowing 31 points a game uh, the last four weeks coming in. Well, all of a sudden, they came in. They shut down the Bears. And you could say, look, Matt Nagy doesn't know what he's doing. He can't call plays. Justin Fields is a rookie. Yeah, all that said and good, but they did it. They had to do what they had to do, and they did it. Now you start to look at Matthew Stafford in maybe a different light because he's turned this narrative as well. Matthew Stafford is 8-13-1 with uh, less than a 90 QBR against the Vikings, right? Now it's all with Detroit, but Stafford's been playing really, really well. He's been playing really well, but he's been playing really well in a pretty clean pocket, and that might not happen here because the Vikings have 44 sacks on the season. They are number one in the NFL in sacks, 12 teams in the NFL don't have 30 total sacks on the year. CBS uh, Sports gave me that stat, and, and it's unbelievable. So the Vikings are going to get after Stafford. I think we know that. Stafford has had tr- troubles and problems. You could say, well, that's with Detroit. Well, it's also against the same coach that we've watched, particularly with Belichick and what has gone on there and what Sean Payton and that crew and what they do against Tom Brady. Sometimes a coaching staff just knows a player. This might be the case. Also, the Rams' defense ranks 23rd in pass defense. So as much as you want to run Dalvin Cook, you also have to understand that Jefferson and Thielen could have a field day here. Jacksonville Jets, I don't know what to say about this, except I can't believe I'm going to say the next sentence. I cannot believe I'm going to say this next sentence. The New York Jets are favored, (laughs) right? The New York Jets are favored. Look, Jacksonville's a mess, but everybody jumped on them. They were three-point favorite. The line went off, and and in some spots, that that game went off as a 6 Everyone loved Jacksonville. They figured Urban Meyer's a bad guy. Get him out of town. Here we go. Jacksonville's going to love it. And now they're all bailing. I don't look at it like that. I think that last week, and I think I told you guys, I didn't expect the, the immediate turnaround. Now you have a week of practice without all the, the noise, without all the the in-your-head and and, oh, man, this is going to be. You get that all out. This is now... A Darryl Bevel team, right? This is now a team that that it's a full week of how he wants to do things. And you get out of the mindset of just getting rid of Urban Meyer, and you get into the mindset of, okay, actually, this is our new coach. This is our new coaching staff. I think Jacksonville is going to play well here. I think Jacksonville is going up against a defense that they could certainly exploit. I think Trevor Lawrence is still waiting for that breakout game. James Robinson, Marvin Jones. I think that this could be a breakout game. But... Now we have massive, massive COVID issues. So I kind of like Jacksonville. Now I love Jacksonville, but we really don't know what's going on with the Jets. 15 New York Jets are on a COVID list, including head coach Robert Sala, their cornerback Michael Carter, uh, Elijah Moore, Vera Tucker. uh, You look at uh, just up and down the team. 15 as of Thursday. 15 New York Jets, guys. That number could rise. If there's ever a game that should be pushed back or canceled, it might be this game. So I like Jacksonville where it stands right now. I like Jacksonville with a healthy Jets team. I like Jacksonville overall. But where we're sitting right now, it's very difficult to bet on this game because we don't know how ridiculous this line is going to go. All right, last uh, couple of of games here at the 1 o'clock. we got two more to go, and then we're going to take a quick pause and go on to something uh, that is the late-night games and some good, 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 good late-night games. So, Giants-Eagles. This should be billed as a good game. Eagles are double-digit favorites. Eagles look good. Eagles are 7-7. Seven and seven. Eagles are back in this thing, right? Eagles are on a short week, though. Right? I mean, it, it, that means something. They played on a short week. The Eagles did beat the Giants in the first game, but they, they were lacking there. 13-7, snooze-fest kind of game. And now the Giants are sitting back. And they get Mike Lennon, maybe Jake Fromm, a little action there. The Giants' defense, though, they've been playing well. And what we know about this Eagles team is they cannot throw the ball. They are third in the league, uh, worst, third worst in the league in passing the ball. So they're gonna they're gonna have to run the ball, which means that the, it plays into the Giants' uh, hands here. You know that the Giants are gonna be coming after you. You know that the Giants can sell out on the run. This is a game where I, I look, I can't take the Giants. Uh, plus the 11 and feel comfortable, but there's no way I could take the Eagles. If anything, I don't think we get a 13-7 to seven score, but if anything, I'm kind of leaning the under. All right, Tampa Bay, Carolina, the big conversation is what is going on with Tom Brady. Look, it's one game, okay? It's one game against the Saints. Let's not make it bigger than it is. Godwin is out for the season, by the way, and what a terrible situation. Tears his ACL. He's also an unrestricted free agent in March which means he's looking at maybe a late September, early October. If there's no meniscus damage, he could return maybe maybe for Game 1. I, he cost himself a lot of money. Well, it's not him, but he got he, he lost a lot of money because of this, and it, it's a shame. But on the X's and O's side, look, Mike Evans is going to be out. Leonard Fournette's going to be out. Yes, I get that. But Antonio Brown's going to be back, and you might not like the guy, but Antonio Brown was playing the Chris Godwin position, and he was playing it really well. The Buccaneers... They are getting crushed on the ground. And I cannot believe I'm saying that. Look, Jonathan Taylor decided, you know, and Frank Gregg decided, we're not going to run the ball because the Bucks were so good on the ground. Well, now, over three of the last four games, they've allowed 4.6 yards per rush. So Carolina can come in and run the ball. And I mention it because Carolina cannot pass. Cam Newton can't pass. Walker can't pass. No, they're going to try to run the ball. Now, Chuba Hubbard can't really run. He's not an effective runner. But Cam Newton can add that extra bonus. The Panthers, by the way, they haven't scored more than 21 points in a game. Um... In the last four, and they've lost all four. So, they're going to have struggles here running the ball, but maybe not as much as we expect. Again, another play where on the road, in division, how can I possibly sit back and take Tampa Bay, uh, you know, laying points? Not with them being banged up. Missing Fournette and missing uh, Evans And missing Godwin, even if A-B comes back and he comes back okay, he's still going to be a little rusty. Tom Brady, we've seen this happen before where Tom Brady at the end of the year starts to, you know, let the ball fly a little bit and, and it goes awry. Tom Brady's either, you know what, it's just the Saints and it's just one game and he was just frustrated and he's going to come out and he's going to fling it all over the ball and just crush Carolina. Or Tom Brady's going to be missing those key weapons. And Tom Brady's game is based on, okay, I know when you're cutting. And I know where you're going. And this is why he brought a guy like AB in. This is why he goes to Gronk. That I know what you're doing. It's an anticipation game. Well, I don't know if he's going to have the same kind of anticipation with the backups to you know, be sitting out there that he's going to have to have. You know, Scotty Miller was a great player for a little while for him. Oh, man, he made him a great player. Oh, that's great. And then Scotty Miller got hurt, and he lost that. Whatever jive he had with Tom Brady, can you force it back? Well, I think the Bucks win, and they have everything in front of them. If they win, they win this division. But, guys, it's on the road. It's double digits. I cannot take the Panthers either, though, because we do know that the Bucks do have a good running defense. Even though three of the last four games they haven't shown it, they do have a good running defense. And Chuba Hubbard has been pretty poor back there. They can't get anything going. Cam Newton could add that wrinkle, sure, but I've also watched Cam Newton get benched because of Walker in the last couple of games. So... This is a game. I'm going Tampa or nothing. Another game, though, that maybe the under is worth a look. You you look at the tickets that you all own, guys, and everyone's ripping up their Tampa Bay tickets, right? Everyone's going crazy and they're ripping up their Tampa Bay tickets. We don't want any part of them. They, they can't stand it. Why? Well, you know what? Ah, uh, oh, that's it. Now now it's the Packers' do, you know uh, conference to own it. Ah, oh, I don't even know it. Well, if, whatever. If they have to face the Saints in the first round. Guys, don't panic about the Bucs. Really, really, truly, don't panic about the Bucs, even if they do have to face the Saints. Don't panic about Tampa Bay. Take a deep breath. You still have those future tickets in hand. You can cash them for the division probably this weekend. You still have live Super Bowl tickets. I'm not betting against Tom Brady. Don't cash against Tom Brady. If you have those future tickets, don't rip them up. With that said, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, back to the to future. The future. Okay, guys, let's bet to the future. Bet to the future? Hey, look, I'm talking about the Super Bowl odds and how they have shifted. Well, let's take a look at those Super Bowl odds. Green Bay Packers and Kansas City Chiefs uh, going all the way back to all the way back to the Super Bowls of yesteryear. Yeah, they're both plus 450 DraftKings, plus 450 at FanDuel, plus 450 at FanBet, basically 450 across the board. Now Tampa Bay comes in third. They're plus 650. They've lowered that even further. In some places, you are getting seven to one odds. The Rams are four, and the Rams can be added anywhere from ten to one at DraftKings, eleven to one at a FanDuel. I know SuperBook had an eleven to one. Buffalo Bills are also available at 10 to 1 in some spots like DraftKings and FanDuel, 11 to 1 at places like Circus Sports. New England Patriots are also Ten to one in DraftKings, eleven to one Fanduel, and ten to one points bet. So you have that fluctuation. Those three teams are really basically tied. Twelve to one, pretty much across the board of the Dallas Cowboys. Sixteen to one, but you can get as much as twenty to one if you want to buy on the Indianapolis Colts, Arizona Cardinals from eighteen to one to fifteen to one, depending on where you're shopping. And the Tennessee Titans are still there. I've seen as low as twenty-two to one and as high as twenty-five to one. And that is bet to the future. Guys, let let me take a minute here and just talk about this because I do find it interesting that the Green Bay Packers all of a sudden are everyone's love. Everybody loves Green Bay. I I mean, that's it. You know what I mean? Green Bay is just, that's the team. That's who everybody loves. You know, it's weird because Tampa Bay goes out there They look like garbage, and they did. Look, they look like garbage. They look like garbage against a team that they consistently struggle against. They look like garbage against a team that in their Super Bowl year they struggled with twice. They look like garbage when Tom Brady looks like garbage. They look like garbage when they lost their top three pass catchers, which is legitimate. So they got lowered, and they got lowered uh, a a good 200, you know, plus 200. I mean, that's massive. They really did get lowered. Green Bay, meanwhile, goes out there. Green Bay is facing... A Ravens team without four defensive backs. Green Bay is facing a backup quarterback in Tyler Huntley. And Green Bay should have lost that game. And when I say should have, look, they got a one-point win because Tyler Huntley, you know, had a bad read on the last play. But Harbaugh coached that game pretty terribly at the end. At least it would have gone into overtime. So... This is what I've said about the Buffalo Bills this year. If one play bounces the other way and and Knox catches that ball against the Patriots, is everybody loving on the Patriots? Everybody hating on the Bills? And that's what I said after that. Well, if Tyler Huntley runs it into the end zone there, gets the two-point conversion, and Green Bay loses, are they the Super Bowl favorites? Against a backup quarterback? Against four missing defensive backs? I don't think so. Kansas City, I understand where their money is right there. Um, I still think Patrick Mahomes is... Take out the Raiders games, and I think he's struggling a little bit. You you do look at Patrick Mahomes, and you go, okay, I, I know he's entered the MVP conversation, and he's dangerous, but he's more uh, living on name recognition. The Rams are a dangerous team, but in order to take the Rams, you have to believe that Matthew Stafford is going to step up during the playoffs, which we've never seen. The Buffalo Bills, I'm still not ripping up my ticket on them because I do believe that they can step up. I do believe in their defense. But, man, that running attack or rushing defense is a major problem. The New England Patriots were everybody's flavor of the week just a week or so ago. And all of a sudden, Mac Jones has looked pretty bad, and you're relying upon a rookie quarterback. The Dallas Cowboys... Tell me anything that you want about a slump, and that's how anybody keeps calling what Dak Prescott is doing this year a slump. Well, you know what? It's been an extended slump here. You cannot bet on the Dallas Cowboys with the way that Dak Prescott's going and hope he turns it around. The Indianapolis Colts, well, you like that, but you already know, you know what? Chances are they're going to have to go on the road uh, for every single playoff game. That's a daunting task in itself. That is for the Colts. And then you have the Cross and Wentz factor where a lot of people don't believe in Cross and Wentz. Arizona, they just lost to the Lions. And then Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee's pretty awful as well. You start to look, you know, at where there can be some value here. Yeah, I guess the Colts are the value team, but man, this is a it is just not a good time to go out there. I don't think that this is a, a good time to go out there and to, to take a shot. Um at this is the in season futures place. That I don't love. I don't love doing the in-season futures plays. I think that it gives a big advantage to the books. And I've sat down and talked to many, many, many sports handicappers, professionals, and and they kind of agree with me. If you're going to do a futures play, you take it before the year, even though it's going to hold up a lot of your bankroll. You don't dip back in right now um, because you're doing a lot of the dipping back in on a reactionary status. All right, Bears, Seahawks, Seahawks are a touchdown favorite. Look, Seahawks um, lose that game against the Rams. It was a Tuesday. Now they're on a short week. It is, you know, not that ridiculous of a short week, but it is a short week. They are at home, so that's a benefit to them. And the Bears are on a short week as well, except one team played Monday, one team played Tuesday. The Bears look bad, and there's nothing else I can say about that, but their defense did step up. They were playing with backups to backups to backups, and that is a legitimate thing. All four of their starting defensive backs were out. So then they were playing with backups, but some of those guys were banged up. Roquan Smith is still banged up. Now, Hakeem Hicks was back, and that's a big thing. I still don't believe the Seahawks team can win consistently unless they run the ball. They have to run the ball, and they're still having problems with that. Seattle at home. Russell Wilson's looked better. They're a dangerous team. But I still look at this Bears team as dangerous as well because Justin Fields did drive the ball inside the 20-yard line many times, except Coach Nagy's playing free and loose. He's going, oh, it doesn't matter. We're not taking field goals, which could come back and bite a Seahawks team. I think this is a dangerous game for Seattle. Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Well, everybody loves KC, right? Everybody loves KC. Nobody likes Pittsburgh. Well, Look, the Steelers won last week with the least amount of yards you could possibly imagine, right? Pittsburgh also is getting gashed on the ground. You cannot tell me that this team is a great defense if they cannot stop the run, and they can't stop the run here. Pittsburgh's allowed 144 rushing yards per game. That is terrible. Now, can, can Kansas City take advantage of that? I'm not sure. You look at Pittsburgh— And you look at their last five games and what they're doing. Oh, Pittsburgh offense held to under five yards per play. Kansas City top five in first half scoring. This is a first half game where if they get out to that ridiculous lead that Kansas City tends to get, 10, 17 points, 14 points, Pittsburgh's not coming back because they have to rely upon the run. And then Kansas City can run on them. And I just told you what they're doing. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, though, they're getting much better offensive line play. Um, they were 30th in pass ru- rushing rate. Now they're getting a little bit better offensive line play. I think this is a spot where a lot of people are going to want to take Pittsburgh. A lot of people are going to look the, at the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of be the team um, that we're hoping that you know comes out of it. Uh, and, and I would be all over Kansas City. But, you know, uh, like coming to America. Aha, hold on. Travis Kelsey, right? Travis Kelsey on, on COVID reserve. Tyreek Hill on COVID reserve, Rashad Fenton, COVID reserve list, Blake Bell, COVID reserve list, and maybe more to come for Kansas City. So you cannot touch this game. I kind of like Kansas City. I kind of like them, uh, you know, minus the the nearly 10 points at home. I still do because I don't think Pittsburgh is uh, what people believe in or want them to be, even though I do like the Steelers. Yeah, you can't do it without Kelsey, without Tyreek. And they were going to have to go on a running game, but then they're going to sell out against the run. It's just a bad spot. All right, Denver Raiders. Raiders have owned the Denver Broncos, and everybody's looking at the Raiders season as garbage, the Broncos season as you're still alive. Well, they're still right there. Vegas has won three in a row against Denver, right? And Darren Waller could return here, which is a huge addition. The Raiders are coming off of a short week. Okay, it's not that bad, but Denver could be without Teddy Bridgewater. That was a nasty hit. I'm assuming Bridgewater is out here, which means Drew Locke will be in there. Um, Drew Locke has some potential, but Drew Locke also makes mistakes. But one thing about the Raiders that people just aren't giving them credit for, pretty good defensive team this year. They're pretty good defensive team. And guys like Max Crosby makes the Pro Bowl, coming after it. I think the Raiders uh, are the smart play. How about Washington-Dallas? With a healthy Washington team, I'd be all over this team uh, with the, the double-digit points getting that, even on the road. This is the second time they're going to match up in three weeks, so there's a familiarity there. But will Tyler Heineke back? back? Will uh, the Washington Football Team be back after COVID? You know, you look at this team and you go, Antonio Gibson's still running hard. Right? And he's kind of the difference maker. You can run on Dallas. Now, Dallas is allowing just about 15 points per game the last three weeks, but you can run on this team. Washington, though, that massively short week. Dak Prescott, I've given this, I just gave this a couple of weeks ago. Dak Prescott absolutely owns this Washington team. 8-1 and in his career. When he beats Washington, he beats them by more than two touchdowns on average. He owns the Dallas Cowboys. And if there's a spot to kind of get out of your slump, and they keep calling it a slump, so I'll call it a slump. If there's a spot to get out of your slump, well, this just might be the spot to get out of your slump against Washington and this Washington football team that, cannot stop the pass. They are third worst in the NFL at stopping the pass. They are, you could throw on them all day. That's what Dak's going to have to do in this spot. And then we go to Monday night, and the Saints are riding high. The New Orleans Saints just beat Tom Brady. The Saints are absolutely everyone's favorite. Team era money's pouring in on the Saints that opened up as a two and a half point favorite. Some threes out there, and now it's up to four. Look, the Saints are on a two-game winning streak. People are buying in. What they did to Brady is going to skew people's minds, and I'm telling you from a sports betting standpoint, this is either a stay away or a bet Miami. You cannot bet on the Saints here. I know that they're at home, and I know that they are good, and I get it, but you have to look at what the Lion is telling you, and the Lion is telling you that Miami's a real good team. The Lion's telling you that Miami won six games in a row. Yes, they did. And the Lion's telling you that they've been real good on defense. Don't look at last week with the Jets because that one of those was a pick six. They have held down teams. Time and time again. And don't really pay attention to last week against the New York Jets because the most important offensive weapon for them is Jalen Waddle, who should, was out for the Jet game and should be back for this game. You have Waddle, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki. Those are matchup nightmares. And you take somebody like a Marshall, uh, you know, Marcel Sean Lattimore, and you put him on a Devontae Parker because he's not going to chase the field against Waddle. Waddle's a guy that could go into the slot. He could play out of the backfield. They're going to give him a couple of handles. Think of Cordell Patterson in a lesser version of Debo Samuel, and, and you getting what the Miami Dolphins can do with Waddle in this game. They've also found a running attack. All of a sudden, Miles Gaskins looks good. Tua looks good. He's got 100 rating over the last month of the season. You look at what the Dolphins are doing, and they may be doing it underrated, but listen, it is really, really important. And where is it all coming from? It is all stemming from their pass blocking. Weeks 1 through 10, their pass blocking was 78.5 since then they are second in the NFL at pass blocking at nearly 90. That is a 90 score from Next Gen stats. I will tell you, that is massively important when you have somebody like Tua sitting back there. Tua needs some time. Now, the Saints ravaged the Bucks, okay, and they were coming after it and Cam Jordan was living in the backfield and I thought they were going to enshrine him right into the Hall of Fame right there on Monday night. I really did. They were going crazy about him. And I like Cam Jordan. I don't expect the same thing here against the Dolphins. They run a different kind of situation. I expect this game to be very slow-paced. And if you give a slow-paced game, a slow-paced team, okay, well, it's going to be a running game. You know Kamara is going to be the guy. You know Hill is going to be the guy. But eventually, do I have more faith in Tua making the big play to Waddle, or do I have more faith in, you know, Hill making the big play to a guy like Callaway? Give me Tua against Waddle. That is the kind of spot that I'm looking at. All right, guys, so that's going to be next week's game. Look, there are a lot of positions here and uh, a lot of situations here that are going to be really influenced when you break it down with with the COVID situation. you got to be fluid. You really just have to be into that spot. Now, I do want to talk about uh, a little programming note for us. Just because it is Christmas season, it's been a great year here, I want you guys to go check out sportsgarden.com. Uh, my Sunday morning show, it, look, I'll, I'll be a lot more Informed at that point, so you guys want to listen in. I always put it out on Twitter over at Sports Garden. You can go check it out. It's on Sports Map Radio. That's who hosts us uh, from eleven to one East Coast time, right up until kickoff on Sunday mornings. So I want to say thank you for uh, you know a great year, but also you know a Merry Christmas to everybody. But I want to talk about the programming that we're going to be having. Of course, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about bowl games. We'll be talking about the NFL, and the NFL is king. But as we start to get to the end of the season and as we start to, to get into the position of not only just the NFL playoffs, but as we start to move along even into the late weeks, week 17, week 18, I'm going to start to sprinkle other sports into the mix. And from a sports betting standpoint, I want to talk to you guys because there's so many guys that you guys probably turn the podcast off at this point when you hear me talking about this. But I'm, those that stayed, listen, the NFL is king for sports betting. But the NFL is also the hardest sport to bet on. That is statistically proven. People lose more money on the NFL, and they don't have a winning percentage nearly as high. In the NBA, in the NHL, in Major League Baseball, college basketball, and so on and so forth, you have a much better chance at finding that, that small team finding that mistake line, finding that error. In the NBA, you have a much better way of checking out pace of play, watching the fourth quarter and go, man, these guys are dragging and now they come back on a back-to-back night. In the NHL, you have a much better chance of going, oh, you know what, they're going with their backup goalie tonight. He hasn't played in a little while. Uh, I kind of like the other team. You have much more uh, information and much better spots to kind of go out there. So I know a lot of you guys are strictly NFL betters, and I get it. Okay, it's the allure, it's the what everybody sort of wants. But you can make money. One of my favorite things to say is, you could make money just as much on a Tuesday afternoon baseball game in June between the Royals and Tigers as you can on the Super Bowl, and it absolutely is true. When you are starting off sports betting, you you tend to stick to what you know. Broaden your horizons. I. Tell everybody out there, college basketball is here. Go find one or two smaller conferences. Take the Ivy Leagues. Take the Summit. Take the Mountain West, right? Take one or two of these smaller conferences and smaller leagues and watch the games. Really get into it and be a master there. You don't like that? Okay, no problem. Take two or three NBA teams, two or three NHL teams, and just follow those teams directly and find your spots. All right, I'm on two or three teams. You don't have to bet on them. Maybe it's betting against them. Maybe you don't like this team. Maybe you don't like the way that it's playing, but it's not look it's not the end of the world uh to just bet football but I'm telling you if you want to increase your profit margin you absolutely won't just bet football and you'll be listening to me well past the NFL and the NFL playoffs all right guys that's gonna do it for me I'm Tom Barton for wagering week we'll be back and you can bet on that